And it's great to see you here today. And uh, I feel I've got a message in my heart that I just really want to bring to you. I've been challenged afresh uh, myself. And even yesterday, just, just challenged afresh. Uh, yesterday we, we mourned the life of, uh, mourned and celebrated the life of a, of a young, young man that was just killed recently. Uh, he was 13 years of age. But what stunned me was the volume of people that came to the funeral here. And um, 13 years, uh, just how, how much of an influence a young man's life had. And of course, also his family had as well. And uh, I, I'm pretty sure there was close to a thousand people in this place. We had, we had chairs absolutely everywhere. We bought, there was, we bought literally every single chair that we had into this place. There were people watching online. There were people down here watching out in the foyer. They were watching everywhere. And um, just was really deeply moved just to see uh, how many lives were touched by one person's life. And it got me questioning uh, afresh about church, uh, about the body of Christ. And uh, one of the things I said to Kate a while ago is, was this. If we were to close the doors today or tomorrow, would our community miss us? Would our community say, oh, no. It was interesting talking to some of the people in there. They had no idea what this place was. Never, never knew how big it was. And, and it got me stirred afresh to uh, consider, uh, one, the core of my beliefs. And one of the things I, I uh, start to notice amongst many Christians, including myself, was we know a lot up here. But I think the big challenge is this. is always, is what I know up here somehow translated into my heart and manifested into my life that actually what I doctrinally believe is actually manifested into my life into the world around us and that actually brings transformation to our community. If it doesn't, and all we have is just a whole pile of head knowledge about God but never really capture His heart for people, what a tragedy that would be. And I want to encourage us today that actually our nation, our, our community, the people around us are still in need of hope just as the day that Jesus walked on the earth today. And I want to encourage us today that maybe you've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe you know a heck of a lot about the Bible. Maybe you can quote scripture and chapter and whatever. But unless that can translate into our heart and bring transformation into our heart and let that be manifested and bring hope into the world around us, then what good is it wrapped up in here? Wrapped up in here. And I had a, I was kind of reflecting... Thanks, guys. I had an amazing uh, experience in, in downtown Hong Kong with one of my best friends. And we went to this restaurant. It was a Japanese restaurant. And uh, the most odd thing about this restaurant was they didn't have tables that you sat around. You had a, there was a line of tables like this. It was just a one, one line. And then another line around the other side. And then... At intervals probably of about no less than a metre wide, they had a little wall or a partition coming off. And that is where everybody sat and ate their meal. They didn't sit around the table together and talk. Every person had their own little cubicle that you could not see the person next to you. And there was a little door in the front there. And you had a piece of paper there and you just kind of scribbled down what you wanted and you just knocked on the door and the little door open and you slid it, the hand came through and grabbed the piece of paper and the door back again and then next thing you know you're sitting there and 
I don't even know what you do with yourself. I'm, I couldn't even see my mate. I mean, the, the, the thing came right back to here. And so he even talk, had to kind of look up and look over the top of him and say, hey, man, what's going on? What are you, what are you, what's going on over there? And next thing you know, after you waited for a few minutes, next thing you know, this little door opens up and your food comes out and then the door comes closed. <laughs> it was the most bizarre experience. And... Uh, the reason I say that is because this, is that often that's how our Christian life, or for many Christians, that's how their Christian life is. So their Christian life is they can stay at home and just have their little trapdoor that opens, they get a little feed, maybe that trapdoor could be the internet or download a message or something like that. They close it, they get their little kick, and then they close it, and then they keep it all to themselves. That's never what the kingdom of God was supposed to be about. But yet, sadly, so many in the I generation today, that sadly, how many people can functioning in their lives? And, you know, even I couldn't notice it my own family with, with phones. I mean, even look at TV. You know, people now don't even watch TV together. Kate and I have been just talking about that. And it's not that you should just give your life to watching TV, but it's even progressed. Instead of having one TV, now the whole house can have a little TV. And we wonder why there's so many lonely people in the world. Even as churches, it can be very easy to remain isolated and do your own thing and not consider what's happening around you. And I want to encourage us today with the scripture. One of the things you can... Um, we'll push my button and... <laughs> Siri. <laughs> She's copying what I'm saying. <laughs> anyway. One of the things I want to encourage is something that I felt in God speak to me about, uh, about my own heart and about where we're going to as a church. And there are some things in Scripture you can see they pertain to the Old Testament, but the other themes and ideas and, and, uh, and issues, you see they progress from the Old Testament and they go right through to the New Testament. That must mean that it's really important that it's not just written off anymore, that actually it applies to our life. And I want to bring this out to you today. And we're going to look in the scripture of Deuteronomy chapter 22. First of all, I want to just, I want to just bring out where in, this, where in the journey of Israel this particular verse sits. Deuteronomy comes after the book of Numbers. One of the things I brought out last year was uh, the book of Numbers was not just about counting people. It's not what it was about. The book of Numbers, the, the word Numbers literally means the word Nasso, which means to lift up. In other words, to... When, when God brought this piece of scripture, when God brought this, uh, this idea of, of, of the book of Numbers, it was the journey of the Israelites, their journey was coming out of a place of slavery and into a place of promise. You know, I preached on this last year that it was one thing to come out of slavery and be in the midst of the desert. It was another thing to then move forward into the blessing and the promises that God had for them to become a prosperous nation. And in order to do that, he had to do, there were miracles that he did, but one of the greatest challenges was in the issue of their heart and in terms of their thinking. So when it comes to the, to the book of Numbers, it is, where it is in the progression of the Israelites' journey is the progression of coming out of, um, out of slavery, but it was one thing to come out of slavery, it's another thing to walk into the fullness of what God has for us. In order to do that, he had 
There has to be a lifting up of our thinking. There has to be a lifting up of our hearts. There has to be a, a lifting up of our spirits. There has to be a lifting up in every part of our life in order for us to grow into the fullness of what God has for us. I mean, we can mess around that for, for a long time. But one of the things is, uh, the ideas around that was to lift up our thinking, but it was also a, an issue of lifting up of responsibility, both personal responsibility and collective responsibility. You cannot separate the two. It's one thing to be, get somebody to be personally responsible for their life. It's another thing for them to be, for us to be collectively responsible. And this is where I want to uh, bring us to today. And so this, this scripture in Deuteronomy chapter 22 and verse 1 to 4, it says this, If you see your kinsman ox or his sheep wandering off loose, do not look the other way as if you didn't see it and pretend that you didn't see it. Return it promptly. If your fellow Israelite is not close by you or you don't know whose it was, take the animal home with you and care for it until your fellow asks about it and then return it to him. Do, that, do the same if it is his donkey or a piece of clothing or anything else in your, anything else your fellow Israelite loses. Do not look the other way. Again, it says it repeats it again. Don't look the other way and pretend that you didn't see it or take no notice of it. He carries on. It says, if you see your fellow, your fellow's donkey or axe or ox, sorry, injured or fallen by the wayside, don't look the other way. Help him get it up and help him get on his way again. It may seem like a very simple scripture, but it is one of the most powerful scriptures in terms of what it means to be a Christian and what it means to live a kingdom lifestyle. One of the things we also see a very similar expression of this in the New Testament. We see... Uh, in the book of John, chapter 4, verse 4 to 10, he says, to get there, just talking about the passage of Jesus, to get there, he had to pass through Samaria. He came to Sakar in a Samaritan village that bordered the field that Jacob had given his son. And Jacob's well was there. Jesus, worn out by the trip, sat down by, and sat down by the well because it was noon. It was a particular time. And a woman, a Samaritan, who, who came to draw water, Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. And the Samaritan, Samaritan woman, taken back, asked, how come you were Jew asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught, talk, caught dead talking to Samaritans. But Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God, somebody say the generosity of God, and who I am, you would be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh and living water. You find this whole concept of reaching out to somebody, reaching out to a stranger, reaching out to somebody's fallen donkey, walking, reaching out to an enemy, walking, reaching out to somebody that's different for you, reaching out to somebody that may be theologically opposed to you, reaching out to somebody that may believe in a different religion, reaching out to somebody who may be an atheist. Really, the concept, the whole idea of reaching out to a stranger, reaching out to somebody that is different to you, reaching out beyond your world and touching and bringing help and lifting up a person's ass.
Getting somebody back up on their feet is one of the most kingdom things that you and I could ever do. As opposed to eating our Christian meal with little wings on the side, we can't even see the person next to us or can't even see the church next to us. Having our little slot that opens up and getting our food and closes it and next thing we can sit there on our little iPads and do what we need to do, check Facebook, trade me, whatever, whatever we need to do. This whole idea is not just confined to the Old Testament. It is Old Testament, New Testament, all the way through. So the whole idea of responsibility, not just for our own self, but a bond or the, the idea and the, the belief and the, the, the heart conviction, actually, I'm also responsible for the people around me, whether or not they're my neighbour or not. There was also the question asked of Cain and Abel. He asked the same question. Am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are. Yes, we are. We also see this in the, New, in the New Testament with the New Covenant Church that was birthed. Actually, they all have one thing in common. They all shared with one another. They, uh, they sold what they have. They, they, they worked together. Actually, the New Testament Church, the church that God designed it right from the beginning, was that we won't just be little Christians by ourselves and just have our little cubicle relationship with God, but actually, we would also, and most importantly, have a, a relationship with God that reflects the people and brings change to the world around us. Sometimes you find is this. Sometimes you find that, in, in the first instance that I read in Deuteronomy chapter 22, the need is obvious. Sometimes we look around and we see, actually, there are obvious needs around us. There are obvious needs that are in the hearts of people. There are, I mean, I don't know about you, but I mean, I don't have a donkey. <laughs> I've got a goat. <laughs> Naughty thing. But they, the principle is still the same. There are sometimes we find that the, the, the key word there is not, it, it's not necessarily about, this whole scripture was not about animal welfare, although I do believe in the care of welfare, welfare of animals. The key phrase in here was, if you see it, that is by the wayside. The wayside was a place of danger. The wayside was a place of where people had lost hope in life, where people had lost their way in life. Sometimes it's really obvious. How many people know what I'm talking about? You can see people that it's really obvious. There are some things that you can see that stick out. In the first instance, he's saying, don't just see something that you have the power to bring healing to and ignore it and pass it by. I come back to the original thing that I said. Would the church, would the community miss us if we were to close our doors today? No longer exist. Out of all the revelation, out of all the prayers, out of all the fasting, out of all the encounters with God, out of all of that, would the community miss us if we said, that's it, no more? Somehow, everything that we do, everything that we believe, everything that we study has to translate and bring hope to the world around us. Sometimes, sometimes the needs are obvious. And even when we see obvious needs, we can still choose to ignore. It's the symptom of an isolated world, people that choose to live in isolation. In the case of Jesus with the Samaritan woman, the need was not necessarily obvious. I find for this, for many people who have fallen by the wayside, it's not always immediately obvious. 
And I believe that we live in a society today where it's, in many ways it's closed. In some ways we can see the world, what's happening. But you only have to look at suicide rates around our, our community with young people. And often you hear the phrase, I couldn't see that anything was wrong. I don't know about you. I, I, I just didn't notice it. I didn't. Or for some people, in fact, for many of us, we could have a check in our spirit. There was something wrong. It wasn't exactly obvious, but I felt it in my heart. I felt it in my spirit, and I remained silent. That's exactly what Jesus must have been feeling in his heart. When he saw this woman coming along, he would have noticed, and something in his spirit would have resonated. Here's a woman that's got some broken relationships. She needs help. She may look okay on the outside, but actually I can perceive in my spirit that there's something wrong. And I believe this, that there's not a person around your life or my life or us as a community. For some, the needs are obvious. But for many, the needs are not that obvious. But yet they are still there. And I believe with all my heart, I'm deeply challenged afresh that I don't want to have all these amazing encounters with the Lord and not let that transform the community around us. I was, I was just so blessed yesterday by seeing uh, those who were serving the people who were grieving and were mourning. The excellence in which our church people here volunteered their time to demonstrate kindness, to demonstrate love, to do what they could to touch a person's, to bring healing and to bring hope to a tragic situation. You don't have to know every book of the Bible. You don't have to be a Christian for 100 years. To... But somehow our lives must be transformed, to our hearts must be transformed to the point that we reach out and touch. In the case of Jesus, sometimes you'll find that the first time you ask, they'll say, fine. Sometimes you've got to be a little bit more persistent. Well, you don't look fine to me. But talk to me more about that. You look like you're a little bit withdrawn. I haven't seen you around church. I haven't seen you. How's things going on? How's things with your relationship? How's things with your, your wife? How's things with your husband? How's things at school? For some of the young people, how's things going on at home? They may seem fine. No, 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 no. Sometimes you've just got to be a little bit more persistent like Jesus was. Just pushed it a little bit further. Often you find that there's lives at stake. In fact, most of the time. And I want to encourage us as a church that we would not just get so wrapped up with our worlds, but become the church that Christ has called us to be. On the face of it, it looks like a story in the Bible, but for me, this is what I felt this. It's real significance in the scripture here lies in telling us of what a covenant society or covenant family should be like. We live in an age where we live out of convenience. Many people, even marriages, marriage is a covenant ordained by God, but yet people can walk away from it so easily. When people come to church, for me, my relationship with you as part of my family, it's as close to me as a covenant relationship. I see our relationship together, you being here and, and our relationship together as a covenant relationship. That's why I could never walk away that easily. 
That's why even if I got offered a better position or a position in a big church, I could never walk away unless the Lord released me. And even then, there would have to be a whole bunch of... (laughs) I'd have to really know. The reason is because the bond that I have with you is that of covenant relationship. I don't just walk away when things get inconvenient. This is the society. This is the family that God really wanted and still wants today that we would not just live our lives as individuals, but that we have responsibility for our own life, but we would also have responsibility and have care for the people that are around us, for his family, that we don't treat his church family as as a hotel. You just come and go or a boarding house. You can just check out any time you leave, any time you want. No, 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 no. If you treat church family... If you treat the church, not just Bay City Church, but if I treat the local churches around me, I don't treat them as that. They are my brothers in Christ. What I do affects them. I care for them. Whether they believe something different to me, it doesn't really matter. At the end of the day, I care for them. I am my brother's keeper. And it's the essence of covenant relationship, one with God that God has through us with Christ Jesus, but also the relationship that we have with one another and for the people around us. That's why it hurts when people just withdraw from church and just take off without saying anything. Why? Because actually the way God designed it is that we would have covenant, that we would share things, that we would work together as a family, that we would work things out. That we wouldn't just withdraw and just go and have our meal at home watching it online, no. There's a place to do that. You know, sometimes there's farmers that can't get all the way here or, or people that are... That's what it's there for. Online is not a place for you to just to sit in bed at your home time and just scoff your little whatever you need to... <laughs> spiritual fix and then just flick it off. That's not what it's about. It's about covenant relationship. It's about what you do, whether you're present or whether you're not present, matters. The responsibility or the sense of care that we have for one with another, It matters far more than what we could ever preach from the platform. It's interesting. Uh, again, Jesus tells this, the same story and the Good Samaritan. And uh, in 1970, there was two, Prince, two Princeton social psychologists thought they would run a, a Good Samaritan test. They wanted to get to the reality behind the story. So what they did was they recruited students from the Princeton Theological Seminary and told them that they were to prepare. This is a, essentially, this is a seminary. Uh, it's where you learn to you study the Bible, you study the scriptures, you study more about God. It's a, I mean, it's quite a prestigious uh, school. So people go there, they want to be a minister. It's kind of like wanting to go to Bible school or something like that. So essentially, they... they uh, they got them there and they asked them to prepare a message about being a minister. Half were given no more instructions than that. The other half were told to construct a message around the parable of the Good Samaritan. They were then told to go and deliver the talk, deliver the message in a nearby building where an audience was waiting. Some were told that they were late, others that if they left now, they would be on time. And a third group were told that there was no need to hurry. Unbeknown to the students, the researchers had positioned 
directly in the student's route, an actor playing the part of a victim slumped in a doorway, moaning and coughing, replicating to some degree or another the situation in the Good Samaritan parable. You can probably guess the rest. Preparing a message, and this is what really struck me, preparing a message on the Good Samaritan had no influence whatsoever on whether the student actually stopped to help the person. It's just, it's just a single, it's not a blanket rule for everyone. I'm not trying to put anyone in But it had no respect, it had no influence whether or not the fact that they had prepared a message helped to stop somebody. What made the difference was whether the student had been given told that he was late or that there was no hurry. On several occasions, the student about to deliver a talk on the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the victim as he hurried on his way. <laughs> the point is not to uh, condemn anyone. The whole, the whole point was never to do that, that this person is better than that or this person is better than that. What it had to do was it depended on time and conflicting duties, or in other words, conflicting commitments. What I found is this, is that often we find ourselves really, really busy in life. There's duties to be done. There are things, there are jobs to be done. There are, Jesus needs my worship. I need to get there. <laughs> there are many jobs. We live so many busy lives. Our lives can be so busy. You know, people today often working seven days a week, and, and even in the course of preparing a message to touch people's lives, it's very easy just to walk, walk, walk past somebody that needs help. The point being is, does what we truly believe in our hair reflect and have the capacity to reach past and touch and bring hope to people's lives? And I was, essentially, it came down to, the, to this issue. And this is what I, I believe Jesus has in his heart. I also believe that it was written in, the, in Deuteronomy for this. Don't see and ignore Don't hear and ignore. Don't sense in your spirit something's not right and just ignore it. Sometimes you can hear the voice of pain in somebody's heart. Sometimes you can hear the cry for help in somebody's life if you have ears to hear. Sometimes you can see that somebody has just noticed somebody's withdrawn. Sometimes it's not what you see, it's what you don't see. They're just not there anymore. They've just kind of drawn back. Let's not ignore it. Maybe for young people, maybe you've noticed somebody that's drawn back. They're quiet. They've just withdrawn. I want encourage you. This is what it means to be a, a Christian. This is what it means to be part of the family of God, that, it, that you would reach out to somebody, that you would have the courage, even sometimes just to be a little bit persistent. Are you sure you're okay? Can I help? It doesn't look okay. Is there something, sometimes it can be a conflict between us. Is there something, is there an offense going in the way? Because I am responsible, we are responsible for relationship. It was never the plan of God that we would all be little isolated Christians. But yet sadly that's how we got so far. I want to encourage us, for us to move forward as a church, I believe one, that we have to lift our sense of responsibility, just, not just for our own lives, but our collective responsibility for our church, 
for the whānau that God has placed around us, but also for our community and also our nation. You can't be responsible for the nation unless you're first responsible for your own heart and for the family that God has placed around you. That's how it progresses. Interesting, there was a, uh, a Harvard sociologist. His name was Robert Putnam. He noticed this, that regular attendance at a house of worship turns out to be the best predictor of selfless concern and the well-being for others. In other words, empathy. It was better than education, income, age, race, or gender. He even goes far to speculate this, that um, an atheist that went to church regularly because of, it's kind of an oxymoron because atheists don't go to church on their own free will, he would have been there because his partner would have dragged him along or her along. He goes to speculate this, and again, it's not just, it's just an idea. It's not a hard and fast truth, but based on, on research, he was saying that, this, that it was more likely that an atheist who regularly went to church or had connection with somebody would more likely to be able to volunteer and help out people than a believer who prays alone. The point being is, yes, we need to pray alone. Jesus, uh, the, the Bible says, you know, you know, when you pray, when you go into your closet, when you grow into your secret place, yes, Pastor Mike has been preaching on that. That is something that we do. But at some point, the encounter that we have with the Lord when we're praying alone has to at some point translate that it touches the world around us. If it's not, we've got to really have a look at our heart. And, and for me, that's one of the things that I, I, is just moving my heart afresh for myself personally and for the church around me. I've got a, I've got a friend who's, a, who's an atheist. He hates anything about God. He hates religion in general. But I can tell you what, he is able to uh, meet needs that the church could not always meet. Reason being, I believe, is this, is that, uh, of course he's an atheist, but I, I, I believe that because of his association and be, a number of reasons that goes on inside of his heart, but I was deeply moved and I was deeply challenged that this particular person has the ability to gather and to care for people that other people in society wouldn't be able to care for. I find that amazingly unique and amazingly challenging that an atheist could provide care for people where the society couldn't. I'm not trying to condemn anyone or anything like that, but personally it got me challenged in terms of, God, that's just amazing. That <laughs> a person has that kind of a heart that could reach out for people, and I believe this person is on their way to coming to Christ anyway. I'll have those conversations with them, but they leave me. Sometimes it takes a little bit, but I've got to, I found what I've got to do is to be able to, even though you can put up a hard front, I've just got to be able to have the courage to ask a few questions. It talked to me a little bit more about that. Why is it that you're so anti-Christ? Why is it you're so anti-God? Is there something that's happened? Would you like to talk about it? You might get a few of those funny words, but... It... Again, I just want to kind of conclude with this. I, was, uh, I got an email was forwarded on to me during the week by one of our community leaders. And uh, I won't mention their name, I just haven't got the permission to do so. But this particular person is the leader of a civil governance organisation in Hawke's Bay. And they were talking about the condition of Hawke's Bay, how in many ways it's prospering. 
And it's something he said and resonated in my heart and also for us as a church. So all the, and, and, and this is his quote. So all this will happen and our, 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 economic, our economy, driven by the private sector, will continue to grow and prosper at an unprecedented rate as long as commodity prices hold. In other words, he's talking about the growth in, uh, of Hawke's Bay, the economic growth and the prosperity of Hawke's Bay. He's stating that it's going to continue to grow and continue to enlarge as long as commodity prices remain the same. And this is what he said. The big challenge is, how do we ensure that everyone in our community is part of this? Everyone, us. How do we ensure that everyone in our community is part of this journey and that nobody is left behind? Perhaps we should plagiarise the marine theme. We will leave nobody behind. He goes on to say this, that the current social service structures and methodologies have failed and will continue to fail. And we need new community-driven and owned initiatives. I'm going to kind of preach into this down the track about, about what it means to be a church. But it got me challenged again that our community needs hope. <laughs> Sometimes you see it with your eyes. Sometimes you don't. Maybe you know people around you. But one of the things I find is this. Maybe it's you that's got the answer. Maybe it's us. And I believe, yes, we do have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. He is love, full of compassion. He owns the cattle of a thousand hills. He is able to provide. He is able to help people's hearts change. He is able to help bring healing to people's lives. You have the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. You also have an answer. It's called a home. You also have an answer, it's called some money. You also have an answer, it's called some wisdom from God. You have an answer, it's your heart. It's our heart collectively. And that's why I believe we have an opportunity right now as the church, collectively, to get outside just the preaching and teaching is all good, but at some point it has to translate into touching the world around us. I believe that one line, do not see and ignore. I believe this, in many respects, not all, I'm not trying to be hard, but I'm just encouraged afresh. In many respects, we see and we hear, but do nothing about. I always come back and encounter the Lord and wait for a new prophet to come through and hear what he prophesied. But you have the answer in your heart. You may be here for the first time you may have the answer that our community needs. You just may be the person. You may be the man. You may be the woman. You may be the person that just has the social equity, the, 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 social, um, the social wealth that you may have it in your heart. You may have the answers. But let's not choose to remain silent. There are people here today, man, you've got so much love in your heart. You've got experience, you've got testimony, you've got a heart that's big enough to change our community. And I want to encourage us as the church as we move forward into, into this day. I don't want us to be a church that just 
full of a bunch of individuals that do our own thing and be like them. That restaurant just has our door open and closed and that's it. I want to encourage us to reach out to the people that we need to reach out to. Don't just reach out to the people that you're familiar with or or like hanging out with. Make a decision in your heart that you will embrace people that are different to you. Make a decision that you will reach out and touch people's heart. Make, Make a decision that you will reach out beyond your own race and love on another race. Believe on that race. See the good thing in their lives. See the, see the goodness of God in them. Help them. You may have an answer to help them. Look out for that neighbour. Look out for that family. Look out for the people. You are responsible for the people that are around you. It's what's called a covenant society. And that's what I believe why Israel is so strong as it is today. Because they, have, they understand the concept of covenant relationship that God had. And I believe that aside from God's hand of blessing, it's a decision that they make inside of their heart that actually we live in covenant relationship one with another. What happens to you matters to me. If I have the answer to help you, I will not remain silent. I want to encourage us today. One of the reasons... It's one thing to have great anointing and great anointed services. But Jesus grew in favour with God and man. He grew in favour with man. We're going to talk about that another time. But one of the ways that you can grow in favour with people is having a heart that embraces them, having a heart that reaches out to them, showing kindness, reaching out beyond them. I have connection now with some of the most powerful people in the world that I would not normally have relationship with. I can get on the phone and talk to the Grand Imam of Pakistan. We can go and share pizza together. I can pray with him. Not many people can do that. It's because I reached out to somebody and I embraced them different to me. There are gangsters that I can go and talk with, no problem. They're completely different from me but I have an interest in their heart. There are people from all sorts of walks of life I am able to connect with. There are other government leaders that, or uh, civil leaders now that I can reach out to. I may feel a little bit awkward at first, but if I'm persistent to keep reaching out, I find that I have a heart relationship and that's when I can bring what I believe in my heart to touch their lives. Don't see and ignore Don't hear and ignore. Don't think that you withdrawing doesn't make a difference. It makes a difference. If you see somebody that has withdrawn, make a decision to reach out. And I believe it's it's about building this. It's about relationship. It's about favor, building favor with people. Jesus built favor with people through miracles, but also touching people's hearts. Relational equity is this, and finishing on this. It has a wealth that has nothing to do with money and everything to do with the level of trust within a society. It's the knowledge that you are surrounded by people that have your welfare at heart. We could build that as a family. We could build that as a church. We could build that into our community. Actually, I'm not here for what you can do for me. Actually, I'm just here because I care about you. That's it. I'm here for you because I know that you matter. You may not look like you matter. You may not 
seem like you matter to society, but actually you do, regardless of where the, what your standing is. I'll reach out to you and I'll bless you. If I have the answer, I'm not going to remain silent. I'll bless you. Would we, if we close today, would the, would the community miss us? I pray for all of us today that as we move forward into a new season, that we would have it in our hearts. One, to be responsible for our own lives. Be responsible for our attitudes. Be responsible for what God has entrusted to us. But that I'd also be responsible for the whānau that God has placed in and around my life. I'd also be responsible for people in the community that God has placed around my life. I'm not going to turn a blind eye to issues. I'm not going to have withdraw from awkward conversations. I won't withdraw from stand back or remain silent. Where now is the time to speak up and to uffy people. There's so many people that God wants to touch in our community. I pray for all of us as a church that we'd be the people that we'd be people that God has called us to be, that we would not remain silent, that we would be the person who could reach out at the woman at the well, that we could be the person that doesn't just prepare a message and would just have all this Bible study and then just completely walk past or walk over. <laughs> Don't prepare a message on, on the love of God and then criticise the person next to me because of the way the show's transformation of our heart that Christ is looking for. It's what's in our heart and what we give to our community. What we give to the people around us is what will transform lives. That is when we become the light of the world. That is when we become the salt of the earth. Not from what's up here, but what's in here and what we give out. Why don't we just close our eyes? Father, I thank you for your goodness to us. Father, I thank you that you reached out to us even though we were strangers to you. You showed us kindness when we were just caught up in our own sin. You reached out to us. Lord, you sent somebody to reach out to us and touch us. You sent somebody out to us with love. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you today for Bay City Church. I thank you, Lord, for your family. Thank you for every person here, every household represented here today, even those that are, couldn't come today. Father, I pray by the grace of your wonderful Holy Spirit that you would show us what it means to live in a covenant society, that what it means to live as a covenant people. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would prompt us, that you would stir our hearts when we see something, when we hear something, when we sense something in our heart and we could do something about it. Lord, help us not just turn the other way. Lord, I pray that you would help us to have big hearts that we would have the spirit to include in our world. Just as you included us in your world, Lord. Lord, we don't always know what the people around us are going through, what sort of battles they're facing, what's going on inside of their heart. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would help us to have a sensitive heart, that we wouldn't get so caught up with all these jobs that need to be done, that all these other important things that are going on in our life, 
that we would completely walk over somebody that desperately needs our help. Thank you, Lord, for your people. Thank you, Lord, for your family. Thank you for the love that we can share. Thank you for the life that we can share together. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would truly open up our eyes and show us what it means to be the light of the world that you have called us to live. Help us to see people's fallen donkeys, people falling by the wayside and help them on their feet again. Lord, I bless every household here today in Jesus' name. I bless our young people. Lord, help them as they start this coming year. Lord, help them in their relationships. I pray today, Father, that you would stir their hearts, that when they see something or experience something, that they would remain silent. Give them the courage to speak up in Jesus' name. All God's people said? All God's people said? All right. Why don't we just stand to our feet one more time? We're going to bless the Lord and one more time. And, but let's just not to switch off at the end. Just find somebody. Talk to them. Maybe talk with them. Maybe during the week, reach out. Talk to them. Don't just make a decision that you're not going to go from here and just close that little window and just go and do your own little thing in your own little cubicle for the rest of the week. Make a decision that you'll reach out. Your ears will be open, that your eyes will be open, your heart will be open. Let's bless the Lord this morning one more time. Praise the Lord, my soul.